Would you please turn with me to John chapter 4? There's a short story that's called The Capital of the World, written by Ernest Hemingway. In that short story, we learn a lesson that I think we can apply right to ourselves today and to our story about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The story revolves around a father and his teenage son. The son's name is Paco. The story is set in Spain, and you need to know that Paco was an extremely common name in Spain at the time. With desires to become a matador, this teenage boy wanted to get away and escape his father's control. And so Paco runs away to the the capital of Spain, which was Madrid, and his father was desperate to reconcile the relationship. And so he followed him to Madrid, but he could not find Paco. And so he went to a local newspaper, and he put an ad out in a simple phrase, hoping to reach his son. Here's what the phrase said. Dear Paco, meet me in front of the Madrid newspaper office tomorrow at noon. All is forgiven. I love you. The story goes on to say that the next day at noon in front of the newspaper office, there were 800 Pacos, (laughs) all seeking for forgiveness. Our world is full of people that are overtaken with guilt, and that are seeking forgiveness. When we look at our Savior and we look at this time of year leading up to Easter, we wonderfully can celebrate an empty tomb because of the forgiveness that was made available to us. And what we'll see in God's Word today is that God's forgiveness is available to every man and every woman who will receive it. But oftentimes... In the receiving of forgiveness, God uses friction to get us to that place. I'm going to be challenging you to to think about your story today. Think about some things that had to take place for you to hear the gospel or to come to Christ or maybe for someone who led you to Christ to learn about the gospel. God is a master of not being afraid of friction in our lives Because it's those times that oftentimes we will have to call out to Him. We will come to Him for help. All that to take us to John chapter 4. We're going to be celebrating Jesus Christ today. This is early on in His ministry. And we will see the humanity of Jesus very, very clearly in this text. At this point, Jesus is traveling with some of His followers all of them yet. And Jesus is weary. He's physically tired. I know that he was out when it was dark in the mornings praying, and so maybe that affected him, but he also was traveling, and so he was fully God and fully man, so he is tired at this point. And Christ, we're going to find alone at a well that his ancestor Jacob dug, And we're going to see that his disciples that were with him had gone into town to buy food. And none of those disciples that were with him, that were hanging on every word that he said, none of them knew that Jesus actually had an appointment. 
He was going there for a reason, and he sent them off so he could be alone for a reason. And the first lesson that I see here in John chapter 4 is that Jesus is willing to cross any barrier to find and forgive a sinner. Doesn't that make you rejoice? Jesus Christ will go to any length, and Jesus Christ will even go against the status quo to find someone who needs Christ. Now, he's going to approach a Samaritan woman here, and this woman is going to be shocked by what she encounters with Jesus Christ. We'll read through the first nine verses of John 4. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, well, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had where Jacob had given uh, to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. We need to go back in time and recognize the barriers that naturally would have been up against Jesus here. Obviously, there is the one of Samaria. We have a woman at the well, and this is a a city that the Jews, when they were going to go from this point to this point, and Samaria's in the middle, they would walk all the way around, so they didn't even have to go into or near the Samaritans. It was common that the Jews hated the Samaritans, the Samaritans hated the Jews. They had history of fighting against each other in the past. And so now we see Jesus needing to go through Samaria. There's not only the barrier of the, uh, the people group, but it's also speaking to a woman. And that might be something that's new for a lot of us today. But back in this day, for, for a man to, to approach a woman and them to being alone and speak to her, that was not normal. In fact, I heard some, a, a rabbi that was interviewed about this very conversation, and he said this would be completely foreign to anybody of the Samaritans or the Jews. You would never find this going on. And yet, with Jesus, we find it happening. And then there's also, we haven't quite seen this yet, but the barrier of Jesus, this man who is a Jew, encountering this woman who is a Samaritan, and Jesus is going to, he's going to place himself in her debt. We understand that one, don't we? Some of us don't like to owe anybody anything, right? If someone does something for us, we've got to return the favor right away. I don't want to owe somebody. I don't want to feel obligated. Oh, you bought last time, so I've got to buy this time. We don't like that. And yet Jesus is going to be wise enough to ask a question and to place himself in her debt. 
Now, let me transition that and ask you, what barriers did Jesus have to cross to get his message to you? I genuinely want to encourage you, if you have never written out your salvation testimony, your story of what brought you you to Christ, write that out. It'll be a blessing to you. It'll be a blessing if you're able to share it. I preached a funeral several uh, months ago, a couple years ago now, and as I went across this woman's Bible, I found her testimony written out. She had taken this challenge, and there was nothing more powerful in that funeral than when I was able to read her testimony that she's with Jesus Christ at that point. Write out your testimony. What barriers did Jesus have to cross to get the message to you? Now, we're very, very familiar that Jesus Christ left a beautiful heaven that loved and adored him and came all the way down to an earth that would despise him and reject him. That's a huge barrier that he crossed. But how about with you specifically? I won't share my entire testimony today, but my grandfather was an alcoholic. He, he spent the paycheck before he got home to the six kids. And all of my dad and my uncles were all on that same road. The way God intervened is amazing. There were so many barriers. And I've even had people talk to me that, that watched us four boys grow up. And, and they're very pleased with us. All four of us are active in church and serving the Lord. And sometimes they'd say, just by the grace of God. I don't think that's a compliment. Just by the grace of God that you boys are following, following the Lord. What barriers did God have to go through to get the message of Christ to you? Once Jesus breaks through a few barriers and has this woman's attention, he knows exactly what to do with that attention. Some people know how to get the attention, but they're not sure what to do next. Christ knows what to do next because he understands the message that he offers, and that is forgiveness offers real help for real problems. The forgiveness that we sing about, that we want people that don't know Jesus to to accept, it offers real hope for real problems. And Jesus is going to go right to the heart of the problem. Now, I need to let you know there's there's a shift in the conversation. We go from Jesus asking for water to Him now offering water. Let's look at verses uh, 10, starting in verse 10, we'll pick it up. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and, and the well is too deep Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, 
Go call your husband and then come here. The woman answered him, I I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. The weary Jesus is at the exact same time the omnipotent God. And he is going to miraculously encounter this woman because he knows everything about her. And what we must understand as we focus on forgiveness this day is that the gospel is not simply about a better place to live after we die. The gospel is about living in the, what one friend of mine called the nasty now and now. We sing about the sweet by and by, but you and I are right now in the nasty now and now. We're in a place where the messing up never stops. And the gospel doesn't just change the future, but the gospel can change today. Any mess that you can find yourself in, any mess that you can get yourself into or someone else gets you into, God promises to help in that time. This is the gospel. And Jesus Christ very clearly says to her, he he knows what's going on in her life, every detail about her, you have a messed up life. She perceives that he's a prophet. She knew there was something going on. Do you you wonder how, how her thoughts went? Did somebody tell him about this? Is this a practical joke? Is this people back from the city picking on me because they hate me? She perceives that he is a prophet, and he informs her that he knows about her. What he knows about her is the exact same thing that everybody in her community knew about her. And I'm not saying that Samaria was a moral upstanding place, but I will tell you that her lifestyle was very much uh, looked down upon by those around her. That's why she was at the well alone. She could not come at the same time as the other ladies. She came in her shame because of her lifestyle. Jesus says, your life is a mess. And he offers to help. And for you and I today, for those around you who need Jesus Christ, they don't necessarily need to see your perfect Facebook profile and say, that's what I need. Because on Facebook, almost everybody looks perfect, right? Boy, look at them. They're living the life. They don't have any problems. What they need to see is they need to see you go through a mess, but not go through it alone. They need to see you go through the biggest struggle of your life or lose a loved one or the doctor calls with the word cancer and see you not only not lose your mind, but see you rise. Lift your chin up during that time because you're not alone. And not only do you have the Holy Spirit that comes to live within you when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, but God gives us a community to pray for one another. And so they do not need to see something that is perfect and outstanding. As one cult preaches, you'll have a a planet of your own someday where you'll be the ruler and have all kinds of pleasure. 
what people need to see is that God can help them in the middle of their mess. And the messes will keep on going on until Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds for his children. Don't get discouraged about that because you're not alone. You have the Lord. Man has looked in a million different places to find help for their brokenness. How many do you think, if I gave you, if I gave you one minute, how many places do you think you could list of where, places where man went to look for help in their brokenness and in their messes? I could list so many again and again. And what applies to all of those fixes for mankind is exactly what applies to this woman. Jesus Christ said, you came here to get a drink of water. He's talking about something bigger. And he tells her, anyone who drinks from this water, they're going to thirst again. And you might look to another place besides the Lord Jesus Christ to help you in your time of trouble, and it will not satisfy The only living water that we can take in is what God offers. Only Jesus satisfies. And for many, Jesus is so near. For many that you know, the message of Christ and a person who knows Christ, it's so close. They can literally just put out their hand and reach someone who can help them with that message. And even though the message and the story of the gospel is so close to them, they look for something else. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, those who drink from the water of this, that this world offers will be thirsty again. It would take a miracle to bring these two people groups, the Samaritans and the Jews, together. They despised each other. It would take a miracle. Jesus tapped into his supernatural power here, and he uses a miracle to talk to this woman to tell her everything about her life. Now, we see in the text, by the way, I believe this is the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and anybody else in the Bible. Somebody study that on your own, but I'm pretty sure this is the longest, including his disciples, the longest recorded conversation between Christ and anybody else. And he crosses barriers, and he lets her know your life is a mess and you need help. And then we see this woman, she did have hope. They were not an atheist people. She did have hope, because in the upcoming verses, she's going to mention that there is coming a Messiah. She's looking for the Messiah. And so... It's going to take a miracle to bring them together. Now they're together. Now he's got her attention. She sees her need. And let's go ahead and finish starting in verse 20. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit 
And those who worship him must come in spirit and truth. Well, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. And when he comes, he, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? And so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. The Father is seeking after worship from those who know Him. And He wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Well, to worship, worship um, was going to be a matter of the heart, not a matter of actions. Over in Jerusalem, there's a lot of actions going on. God wants worship in spirit and in truth. Not actions, but He wants the heart. It's also directed by the truth. It's not directed by the law, not directed by their ritual, but directed by what John 14, 6 says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So we set aside ritual, and Jesus Christ gives her this news. Christ was coming to break down those barriers between the people groups, and within just a few generations, the temple would be gone. And if you are forgiven today, you must make worship something beyond just ritual. The best worship that you will experience is going to be worship when you are alone with your God. And if you are too busy in the day to have that, And let me tell you, as one who loves you, you're too busy. If you cannot find time to reflect back to God the wonderful blessing that you've received and praise Him and worship Him, then you are too busy. I get it. I know some of your calendars are full. I know it's hard to find time uh, for much of anything. You need to make this a priority. God seeks after your worship. And then praise the Lord when we get together in here and we're able to worship as a congregation. You know, we're a little bit unique as a church family. We want as many people singing as possible. Even those of you who have an average voice, even those of you with a below average voice, we want as many people singing as possible. We intentionally choose songs that everybody can sing and that are rich in doctrine. And sometimes I stand up here and hear you singing. If you ever want the best seat in the house, it's right up front here. That's a tough sell, I know. (laughs) Front row. But up here, you can hear all of you singing out. What a blessing it is to be able to worship Him. And because for you and I, Because the guilt has been removed, God allows us to be something fresh and new for Him. And if you experience forgiveness, the devil will lie to you and he will tell you that you need to continue in guilt. You need to continue feeling sorry for yourself. But if you are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ today because of your belief in the work He did on the cross, then, as I believe it was... uh, 
Billy Sunday, I think, said that God takes those sins and casts them into the bottom of the deepest sea, and then he places a no fishing sign over the top of it. (laughs) You have no right to go to that place and claim that. God died for that sin. You've been forgiven of that sin. Now, we do need to confess our sins and, and keep that relationship with God. There's nothing between us. What a blessing, though. And so what can we do? What can we do with this? Well, honestly, just look at what she did. She was one of the first evangelists. She went back and told those people, by the way, don't miss the point, they were people who many of them despised her. She went back and told those people, come and see a man. I experienced a miracle. Could this be the Messiah? And so do the same that she did. Go and tell others about who this man is. And don't go and tell them about who he is for eternity's sake. And that's not a bad motivator. Hell has been a big motivator in some of your testimonies. I get it. I don't want you to go to hell, get saved so you can avoid hell. But tell them about your Savior, your Messiah, your Jesus, because it helps you in the today. Let them see you go through the pain and let them see you lift your chin, lift your chin high and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. He is the one who gives. He is the one who takes away. Blessed be his name. And so what did she say to him? What hope did she have? She had a little bit of hope, didn't she? She said, I know that the Messiah will come. And then I believe it was at that point her eyes fully opened and her heart opened. And the message from Jesus is, the one you are looking for is the one you are talking to. And the one that you're talking about is the one that is looking you in the face. I hope you know the forgiveness of God today. I hope you know the barriers that God went through to give you eternal life and give you peace and joy and beauty in this present world. Not because of anything you do. We cannot earn it, but it's all the most beautiful gift from a God who looked upon you and knows you by name and said, here's the gift. Will you receive it? Let's pray. Father, on this day, we rejoice in this story about your son. We thank you for your part what you went through to give us this wonderful gift of eternal life. We thank you for the confusion that comes to our minds when we read in the Old Testament that it pleased the Father to bruise the Son. All of that that was taking place had me in mind, had us in mind. We thank you for seeking us out. We thank you for tearing down barriers Would you allow us to not be timid, to not allow barriers to keep the message of Christ to ourselves when there's people around us who are looking to get relief from their guilt, who need forgiveness, who would respond to an invitation like those many young men did whose father was seeking them out. 
We thank you for loving us. As the piano plays through, I'd like you just to keep your heads bowed and I want to give you a chance to pray. Whatever God's laid on your heart, you might just want to praise him and thank him in the stillness of this moment. We never like to close a time without giving an invitation. If there is someone here, you're not sure that you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't have that help for the messes of today. And you don't have a confidence of where you'll go after this world. Even in this moment, if you understand that you're a sinner and that Christ died for your sin, you can thank him for that and ask you, ask him to forgive you. You start the prayer. Let him finish it.